Hi, I'm Rhys T. Matthews. Welcome to this brand new series, Queer Margins in Quarantine. This series, I'm talking to people whose work is steeped in the LGBTQ plus community. I wanted to take advantage of lockdown to catch up with them, to find out about their lives in normal times, but also find out about how lockdown and the ongoing effects of the pandemic is affecting their lives. This series, I'm talking to a host of different people, including someone who's dedicated their lives to making positive changes for queer people in Britain, the owner of the UK's largest gay magazine, and a lot more. And this episode, I'm talking to the funny and super talented drag performer, Amanda Pet. We caught up about how they got into drag, how lockdown has changed their lives, and of course, the highs and lows of being a drag performer. So let's get started. Here's episode one, Amanda Pet. As you know, like I guess like uh, everybody else, um, stay home, um, cooking a lot, exercising, walking my dog, um, going up and down, <laughs> bored a lot, watching movies. Um, yeah, so I guess I was introduced to your drag through my boyfriend, who's a huge fan of yours. And um, he, I think Who he... is he? Have I ever touched him? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to double check with him. I think he like saw you at like a Dawson Superstore to begin with. Okay, and then yeah, my he, favorite venue. Yeah, and then um, he went to he's he went to Pale Blue Door a couple of times, and then that's how I like saw you the first time. Is I went to Pale Blue Door. He took me to Pale Blue Door once. I think twice actually. What, what a magical place! Huh? It's amazing, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, how did you um, how did you get into drag to begin with? Then, well, I think it was kind of uh, we, it was with me all my life, basically. Even when I was a, a little, a little, a little one, uh, I was always uh, wearing whatever I was finding in front of me and try to be creative with um, all the drag I was finding around. This is what is uh, drug, really, just dragging stuff and wearing them. Uh, you're asking me, like, when I start to uh, present myself to the audience? Um, yeah. Uh, that's going 15 years ago, 15 years uh, back, um, when, I, when it was lots of parties was going around and yeah i just dress up and i start going out people start knowing me like this and uh they was asking me to dj or perform or host mm-hmm. and eventually yeah okay and did you it became a job yeah and did you do any drag in greece because you're, you're from greece right I am from Greece. No, I didn't do any drug in Greece. Uh, I started here in UK, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, every we have a carnival season in Greece, which is very big. And I was always dressing up. I was making big effort uh, for that carnival time. And I must say, uh, I was being noticed even there because um, uh, every time I was dressing up, it was uh, a picture of me in the newspapers <laughs> or in a magazine. Yeah, it was quite uh, surreal. Like, I, th- I think it was meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. Be- because I was doing it for fun, Everybody, everybody's dressing up at that time mm. of the year. But I was quite extreme, I must say. And is there much of a drag scene in Greece then? 
Oh, now, yes. Now it's a, it's an amazing um, new scene, actually. And uh, it's very interesting. I, even, I, I must say, it's my favorite. It's, it's very interesting. It's very alternative, very alternative. And how would you describe your drag? Yes, it's definitely comedy. Mm-hmm. It's all about not be serious. Never take yourself too serious. Um, also a little bit uh, sarcastic mm-hmm. and uh, in, uh, in, in many views, in love life, in political views, in uh, what's happening with the economy, everything. Mm-hmm. And, this- and it's a, per- it's a, per- a persona basically that is, uh, have an opinion about everything that believes is everything correct to what he thinks that persona. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned Pale Blue Door. How did you get connected with um, the person who runs that? Uh, well, with Tony Hornick, uh, we are friends uh, before he opened uh, Pale Blue Door. And in one point, he was uh, kind of desperate for a job. You know, it was a, the bankrupt. It was a economy crisis here in London. Uh, so he didn't have any job. And he decided to make his studio as a restaurant so then he asked me do you want to be the waiter and also like serving and and, and doing some shows and i said why not because uh, i'm coming from a family who they run restaurants so and i quite enjoy that and i say okay I, i'll do it so we did it for four nights only mm-hmm. and uh these four nights it was very interesting and very fun and we had lots of close friends that they came around and also they loved it. Uh, so we thought like, okay, let's do it for another four days. And anyway, long story short, uh, we, we've done it for 10 years and we've been around the world with it. We've been to Berlin, to Chile, to Argentina. Uh, we did a few festivals like Glastonbury. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely one of the best, uh, uh, projects I ever done in uh, in my life. Mm-hmm. And what's do you know what's happening with it now? Because obviously, I mean, besides you know, coronavirus. I live next to it. I'm still living next to it. Uh, uh, we have the the same landlord, uh, but uh, he was trying to sell this building. But now with the uh, with the virus, I think he's not going to be able to to sell it. So we might be able, me and Tony, to rent the space again and maybe reopen it for some events because what we did me and tony now we became partners mm-hmm. and we create venues in a different locations and we do like for example last christmas we did the christmas cottage it mm. was uh, um again a pop-up restaurant with a kind of christmas panto and I really enjoy that. I actually give me the opportunity to get out of the pale blue door and uh, create something similar, but also very different. And also for Tony to do a different setting too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so that's... yes, it started, it started like that from a friend who just wanted to, to make some money. He's an artist and also he asked me and then we kind of stuck together in a good way. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's good. It's great to hear that it's going to carry on, um, or hopefully going to carry on after, because it, obviously there's a risk that it's going to be kind of shut down. But also, it? also Tony, he opened his own um, small gallery called it Horniker Center, which is uh, it's just one table for twenty people. It's, it's not. It's similar to Pale Blue Door, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it has the same uh, kind of 
vibe, but it's not yeah. obviously the same. And then, so obviously you work at, um, at Dawson Superstore. You do like a drag brunch there. Is that right on a Sunday? And then you've got, um, basic boys. Uh, yes, uh, I started with the uh, Dawson Superstore from the first day they, they opened, uh, because I know the guys from, uh, Trailer Trash, where they was doing their parties there and also the Gatoslan. So they opened the, um, the Dawson Superstore and straight away I kind of be- become part of them. So, uh, I started DJing and host nights there. And yeah, like uh, now we do lots of brunch there, like once a month I do a brunch mm-hmm. and uh, I have every two months I have my night that called Basic Boys, which is quite sexy boys dancing around mm-hmm. and with fun music. Yeah. Um, what would you say, what's like your favorite night to perform at? What's your like ideal kind of night? Um, oh, my ideal night is like the people to be fun and happy and not annoying because yeah that, that's that's the only thing the, the the ingredient is like good people like fun people with uh happy mood yeah T- tell me um how can how can an audience be annoying what's kind of what's something that they, what's, well uh, someone come and grab you and nagging you like to play a, a specific song that mm. you might not have uh, when you're DJing, for example, that's very annoying. Yeah. Um, or like when you try to do, uh, when you do a show and someone turns the back or is completely ignored or is talking over you. Mm. Um, or you know, that again, they take off your wig or whatever you wear, things like that. Well, people, really... like people grab at stuff you're wearing. And like you're oh, wearing yeah. Stuff. It did happen, and I have been angry and very naughty. Yeah, that's that's bad. It is quite bad, but also I understand uh, maybe some people, you know, they're a little bit drunk or tipsy, and they think, like, it's quite funny to... They think to, they're joining in, in a way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, I lost control a few times. Oh, really? Why? What did you do? I mean, I, I had... I had um, I had a girl that she pulled off my wig in a nightclub in Coco Club. Mm. I just uh, took off your necklace and she started, the five girls, uh, they just came around me and they started <laughs> beating me up and then I started <laughs> kicking them off. So we end up out of the nightclub. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> I, and we had a, a thing in the pale blue door when I, when I was doing this flash dance um Thing when the water is coming on me and I start dancing with wet hair. Uh-huh. And in the moment I was throwing the water on me, the guy, be- before the water comes into me, he took off my wig again. So the whole show, it was like, it was quite embarrassing for me because, you know, I don't really want to show my, I, I already make, a, I make fun out of myself. For, for to entertain people, mm-hmm. so I don't want you to embarrass me more. Yeah, and I went really angry, and I kind of beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you kind that, of beat that, him that, up? How can you kind of beat somebody up? <laughs> so that, that that wasn't that wasn't very nice of me, and I was uh, yeah, I was very angry 
and yeah. Yeah, but it's like it's good that I didn't end up in jail because you you can't beat up people. <laughs> that's know? true. Yeah, that's very true. But like, so to... I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson um, because the guy he was okay. The guy I beat him up, but one of his friends, she was uh, very angry about the the situation and. She wanted to take it farther and all that. So I, I got scared. So now I know when it's someone like drunk or a little bit tipsy or annoying, I just run away. <laughs> I go a little bit farther, you know. But it's like, it's like people don't know, like, so I guess some people don't know how to like conduct themselves. Like, like you said, like you're, you've already kind of like, you're making like some of your com, like some of your act is kind of like making fun of yourself. And then I think people yeah, think is. that they can join in with that. Exactly. And it's not yeah. funny to do it to someone else. It's only funny to do it about yourself. No, I mean, you know, especially when they grab you, it's sometimes, you know, if you don't let them grab you, it's a very personal. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like you going around and start grabbing other people. So sometimes when people grabbing me, I grab them back to see how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> Once quarantine's over, what's going to be the first thing that you're, you're going to do? Uh, grab an aeroplane and go back to Greece. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. For how long? For like a holiday or? Oh, if I can go for three months, I would, but oh, wow. it depends. It depends, um, my work, what yeah. I have to do. Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, yeah, I can't really go away for three months, but. I guess if quarantine's like lifted, uh, uh, quarantine's lifted and yet, and like maybe if bars aren't open, you might get the, you might get the chance, maybe. Yeah, you never know. You might find me in an island performing on a rock <laughs> in, a, in a nudist beach. <laughs> um, that's pretty much all my questions, I think. Um, do you have like anything that I haven't covered, like um, things that are coming up or anything like that? Uh, not really. I just keep following me on uh, Instagram because uh, I think the Horniker Center will open before anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, uh, there is a very small space and also, you know, we can do a party for two or four or five people. Oh, amazing. With me cooking and Tony also. And, um, so wait, do you, yeah. do you cook as well? I haven't okay. before. Yeah. But as I told you, I am coming from a restaurant family, so I know how to cook. And, and now I, in a quarantine, I had more time to do that. So I think uh, probably we're going to do a few nights with me, a part of performing, also cooking. That's pretty good. Yeah, I what's like been, to try it. What's been your like go-to dish while you've been in quarantine? I'm going to do Greek dishes. I'm going to try Perfect. to do kind of traditional dishes. I'm not going to try to do a gourmet or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe the English people found it as a gourmet, but it's not. It's just kind yeah. of simple, simple recipes, but very tasty yeah. you mentioned as well I your yeah 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 i reckon have you what have you been cooking during quarantine like what's been your kind of like the thing that you've been most proud of um i like that i did some um uh, delivery with bistro tech and also the birthday for bistro tech play piano and singing for oh. them the 16 years old from bistro tech because uh, i must uh, i started from bistro tech I started from Bistrotech. Uh, the first time I was there, it was a competition, a drug competition in Bistrotech. So I started from there. So it was very nice to host that. 
because I also work with these guys all these years. And you mentioned as well, just to go back, you mentioned um, coming from like a restaurant family. Were your parents like supportive of you when you started doing drag? Um, my parents they kind of find out afterwards, like uh, they didn't find, um, they didn't knew because in the beginning it wasn't as I told you, it started as a joke, mm. just dressing out and going out, but uh, but then became a job. So when it started, became a job and with a few interviews in the magazines or a little bit of exposure. Um, yeah, I told them I'd do that. It was fine. There was, uh, my mom, she was a little bit in shock, but now they're, they're all fine because, um, my mom, when we did it, we did another project with Tony again called Gender Pacific and we had my mom cooking. Oh, for, wow. It was like a pale blue door, but they was calling it Gender Pacific. And my mom, she was cooking. So Mama Pet, she was cooking. So yeah, she loved it. She she wants to do it again. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's so cool. And also my dad, he came, it was the 30 years of LGBTQ uh, Europe. Uh -huh. That was in Cyprus. And uh, uh, my dad, he came to that and he saw me. Uh, he was, I think he was oh. very happy to see me and very proud. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so, that's so like that's really heartwarming to hear that they're like they're like super proud of you and like getting involved and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. They're they're cool. They're quite modern, modern mm -hmm. guys. Yeah. Um, so, was your first kind of like performance in drag getting paid? Was that at Bistrotech then? Yes, it was in Bistrotech um, because uh, what happened? It was this competition and. Uh, I didn't want the first time, but I won the second time I went. Mm -hmm. uh, but even the first time I went, I must say the impact with the audience was quite su supportive. It was very friendly. So then the people who worked in Bistrotech, they asked me if I want to do a guest, um, if I want to do the same show I did there mm -hmm. for them, because they had a regular shows every Friday and Saturday the team of uh, five or six uh maybe you, the the lip syncers oh yeah right oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've seen them in rvt uh, i think so i was doing the i was the guest for mm -hmm. them so i was doing now uh, one or two numbers and this is how it started it Oh, wow. Basically, that that was my first paid uh, job. So oh. yeah, it was Bistro Tech. <laughs> and what was your? Can you remember what your kind of like performance was for for when you won? Uh, uh, okay, my first performance, but uh, it was Amanda Lear. Uh, the um, you're an enigma. Okay, I think I know. You know yeah. Amanda Lear? Uh, I'm not 100%, but I'll listen to it when I get off the call. So, yeah, I, I didn't really have a name back then uh, right. because I, I went for a joke. Yeah. And uh, they told me, they asked me, what are you going to lip sing? And I said, I'm going to sing um, Amanda Lear. Mm -hmm. And they told me, uh, okay, so what is your stage name? I said, like, I don't have a stage name. Okay, we're going to call you Amanda Near. <laughs> And I said, whatever, you know, I never thought that it's going to become a job. Yeah. So, yes, then everybody, the, the, everybody that night, they, they recognized me as Amanda. Right. But I didn't like to have uh, this name. I didn't like to 
they called Amanda. Yeah. So eventually, I changed my my name to Eman to Pet. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. If you want to keep up to date with everything Amanda Pet is doing, I strongly recommend you follow them on Instagram, which is a underscore man underscore two underscore pet. They're hilarious. There you'll be able to find out about what's happening with the Pale Blue Door, where they're performing, and all stuff like that. I'll be posting new episodes from this series every week, so if there's someone interesting you think I should talk to, you can drop me a message, either through Instagram, which is at queermargins, or email, queermargins at gmail.com. Thanks a lot for listening.